Welcome everyone to another episode of the In Real Deep Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Samino, and with me as always is my co-host, Andrew Johnson. Hello, Andrew. Good evening, Steve. If this wasn't hard, everyone would do it. <laughs> you should really say like there's no crying in podcasting or something. You should have just uh, tweaked oh, no, it a little no, bit. Blank check style. Obvious. Too obvious. <laughs> you can be obvious. Oh, no one no one's holding you to a standard of not being obvious. It's too obvious. <laughs> well, there you go. There's a quote from Andrew, the now becoming a new bit on the show, which is lovely. And that opens us up for our conversation today about another Tom Hanks movie. We are working our way through the Tom Hanks filmography, not entirely, but really going movie by movie, chronologically, getting just a sense of Mr. Hanks and when he becomes America's dad, America's sweetheart. One of our finest living actors, if not our finest living actor, which is something we can certainly get into as we move forward. But we are still in the early, early days of Hanks right now. This is before the Oscars, before all the hoopla, all the millions and millions of dollars. But this is certainly on his upward trajectory, and it's one of the fun stops along the way. It's a movie I've never seen, and a movie that's fun to talk about. Of course, I'm talking about 1992's A League of Their Own. And we mentioned this on the last episode, Andrew. This is a very fun example, a very early example, of Hanks sort of taking taking a back seat. He's first billed and he's certainly in the movie a decent amount, but the movie's not about him, and I think it's cool that even in 1992, he didn't demand, you know, you know, I'm going to be in 99% of this film. Like, he was he was clearly uh, the fact that he was willing to be in a, a female-centric movie that with a, an almost entirely female cast beyond him and maybe John Lovitz is, is very cool to see. Yeah, he's definitely not a he's definitely not America's dad yet. He's more like America's disheveled uncle who needs to meet a nice lady, <laughs> I think. Right? And so who's crushing on Gina Davis, but she's already fucking Bill Pullman. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. We should probably talk about that a little bit. There is some tension there, which is never it's never resolved. But um, which is good though. But, That's I feel like yeah, it, right. I was there was no way to do it, you know, wholesomely like her leaving her no. war hero husband for Tom Hanks. Yeah, 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 hundred yeah, percent. But it's there and it simmers, and they don't they don't play it up too much. They don't. Yeah. Leave on it but it's certainly there for sure yeah yeah it is there yeah so i mean what do you think this is your first time seeing this movie uh, I've seen it many, many times, at least in bits and pieces. But you know, um, I'll give me. We'll get into it in a little more detail. I thought it was very good. I think it's very entertaining. I think you and I were talking before we got on, Mike. It's a very good TV. I can see why it's a great TV movie. I can see it. It definitely feels like people of our generation who are in their mid thirties now. You know, when they were growing up in their eight, nine, ten, eleven. This was probably on cable a hundred times a day, and I could see it being a really great movie for a lot of those people who probably like it more than I do watching it at 34 just because they popped it on and watched it over and over and it's fun it's playful it's real easy to grasp it's you know I think there's a lot of stuff about it that makes it very interesting and and I bet very fun for many many folk for me just sitting down watching it straight through at this age it was just a very enjoyable sports movie yeah yeah it's like a good and most sport like let's be honest most sports movies are not like great movies right like they're Especially, not if like, they don't, especially if they don't set out to be anything but a sports movie. Right, like, right, they're just not, right. it's not trying. Like, Major League was ribald and ridiculous, and, like, that allowed it to sort of stand out from the crowd. But, yeah, like, this is a pretty wholesome, generic movie in a lot of ways. Like, it's it's designed to be fun and to make money and to be palatable, but also tell a really cool story. Like, there's yeah. a little bit of that, you know, the, the, the female touch is certainly appreciated and wonderful, but it's not reinventing the wheel beyond that, you know? Yeah, and I think it is like even though it's it's not uh, not reinventing the wheel, it's not like a uh, 
you know, AFI number one movie of all time type movie. Like there is an element of it. Like there is no, so 1992, this movie comes out. I was nine years old. You were like, what? Seven, six, I was seven years old. Seven. So the, like I was old enough then to have like baseball card. I was very into baseball growing up as I'm pretty sure you were as well. I had like, you know, my upper deck complete sets and all that stuff. <laughs> I had no idea that there was a women's professional baseball league in that lasted a long time. Not just like they, they chronicled the first season in this, like I think in 1943, but it lasted till 1954, um, which maybe would make a really interesting documentary, I guess how long, how the league lasted that long. But like, I, I, I feel like, I guess what I'm getting at is like, I feel like I would have no idea that this was a thing that happened uh, if there was, if it wasn't for this movie. Yeah, that's a really good point. And, like, you know, it would be a really great documentary, but sort of I think what you're hinting at a little bit is it is, it is sort of a historical document in its own right because it tells a, you know, it doesn't have to go beat by beat exactly as it happened, but it's, it's for a lot of people it is really saying, like, hey, guess what? This happened, you know, many, many years ago, and it was super cool. And it's, it's you know, beyond just writing a fun story with characters and dialogue, like, it's just it's something worth remembering and noting and talking about and that is that is super valuable as well and like and i do think you know again being totally objective like i know I, i've talked to a lot of people in the last couple of days who love this movie and they're probably gonna listen to this and get very mad at me because <laughs> i'm not showering praise upon it but i really do see its value more in a historical sense you know yeah, like yeah. i'm just i'm more happy the movie exists and, and i'm ha- and also happy for the people who love it but like as someone again hopping on at this point in my life I'm just like, oh, it's fun. You know, I, I, I missed the boat. It's, that's fine. Sometimes <laughs> you, you don't get, you know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's yeah, cool. That's yeah, fun. Yeah. Andrew, before we get too deep, let's do our beverage of choice segment before we get too far into uh, the podcast. Do you have anything right now? Yeah, I, I, I do. I'm drinking a Behringer Made in Vine Cabernet Sauvignon, uh, mostly because mm. we have a we have a giant bottle of it that we opened on Saturday night. It's like our last bottle of wine and, uh, well... We will go out and procure more, but it's our last <laughs> bottle of wine, and we each had like one glass of it on Saturday night, and now there's like a giant bottle, and it's sitting there taunting me, and I'm like, I think we better get through this before it turns into like, you know, acid wine or whatever Some happens vinegar, to yeah. the moderately priced wine <laughs> after you pop the cork. So that's why I'm drinking that. That's good. That's a very good reason. I'm drinking the uh, Bets On Hazy IPA from Boomtown Brewery. If you live in Los Angeles like I do and near the downtown Arts District area, they are open. They are selling beer through a fence uh, in their, <laughs> at their facilities, but it's good stuff. They're lovely people. It's my favorite brewery in this area. It's terrific, and I just you know discovered this weekend that they were still open for business and putting stuff out there. So I actually went by today and got some 32-ounce big old cans of beer, and I'm enjoying this one right now. So I've got if you're in Los Angeles, go to Boomtown. They're wonderful. You can buy online. You can pick it up. It takes five seconds. Prices are real good, and uh, they're lovely people. So go uh, go support your local beer, whether it's in Los Angeles or otherwise. This is a very good time to uh, – if you got if you got money that you can spare to burn, please do so on businesses like those. We, we love them all. So Yeah, absolutely. And, Andrew, okay, let's go back to League of Their Own. I was saying that I just find this to be a very – palatable lovely movie and you obviously saw it when you were a younger man though you're not as late to it as i was yeah well i was gonna pick up the thread too of what you said which is like you know we talked a lot i think you know uh we made a lot uh in like what two or three years ago when wonder woman came out and it was a smash hit and it was directed by a woman and it told a one story from a woman's perspective and wonder woman is awesome don't get me wrong but uh this movie 
directed by Penny Marshall. And, you know, this is a, a movie that is, tells a particularly female story um, and uh, from a female perspective. It is directed by a woman. So in that way, it's also sort of, uh, you know, at the bleeding edge of, uh, of, uh, of, of, of what we're so- – a conversation we're still having, I guess, about, about big movie, big star-driven movies like this now, which is, you know, the need to have – or the, the the representation and sort of executive leadership roles being important, um, and so so here's an example of that from a long time ago. Yeah, uh, it's a shame that in 2020 we're still giving like Attaboy or Atta Girl awards yeah. for that because it yeah. shouldn't be such a big deal. But given that this happened 28 years ago, but it is, and that's just yeah. unfortunately the world we live in. But th- that just reinforces how cool it is that a league of their own exists. You know, yeah. because there was no need a for Tom Hanks to again take a supporting role in this movie be for them to to green light and produce a movie like this like it's just it was 1992 it was not a thing that was happening a lot like you can read about film history like it's just a thing that just happens intermittently off and on throughout throughout film so it's great that this exists and it's awesome too like stuff like stuff like that like it's, it's the movie itself doesn't it isn't anything special in a lot of ways but there's really great things about it. like tom hanks is is wonderful which we'll talk about a little bit down the line but i want to talk about gina davis before we even get to that and Madonna like and, and Rosie I guess too because they're yeah. the three female leads of the movie and Gina Davis in particular I was just you know I'm not the biggest Gina Davis fan I think she's good I like Beetlejuice like I like her here and there throughout her career but I couldn't like say I've been a you know fan of Gina Davis films yeah. in particular but her confidence and her quiet charisma in this is very like Chase Utley-esque like I'm sure you have another <laughs> baseball player in your own orbit who is like who leads by example and is not showy and is not loud and is not awesome but it just like shows up and plays the game and is really really good and that is just awesome and I think she captures that extremely well like she just is there and is badass and does whatever she wants and just is good at baseball and like and I think that is just being able to give that kind of performance and not be flashy or showy like because I, I think it's cool as she clearly recognizes Madonna is loud Rosie is loud there's Tom is loud like everyone around her is just you know yelling and being wild and she's just showing up to play some baseball and i think that's really great yeah i think i guess what's interesting about her character is that um like you said she's she's kind of take from the start of the movie she's kind of take it or leave it i mean she's a very clearly like the best player in the league right mm-hmm. um but she's very take it or leave it about even wanting to be in the league you know she's she's married and her husband's off at world war ii um but even beyond that it doesn't feel like baseball is life or death like that and um i guess uh revealing some of my past as someone who actually used to professionally interview baseball players, I would say most of them are, uh, unintelligent dullards, I guess at the professional (laughs) level, because they've geared their entire life around one particular skill that has nothing to do with, um, uh, talking. So I, I like you, uh, I'm drawn, I'm drawn to athletes, I guess that are, um, that are uh, that do have a sense of like this not being all there is to life. That it's a cool thing um, to be good at, but that it's not all there is. Um, and that's one of the things that I I personally connect with um, the the Dottie character. I guess uh, maybe she's more conflicted because she kind of wants to go into this more feminine housewife, have a family role, and there's certainly elements of that, you know, underscoring a lot of this Rosie O'Donnell's character kind of brings some of that out too. Um, 
But I, I, I guess I connect with uh, athletes who uh, see a broader world than um, than the one where they're hitting a ball far or getting in a bat basket or whatever, whatever it is they're trying to do. Sure, um, or, or just are like yeah, or like can rise above platitudes and other stuff and have like if they either they I, I think you'd probably I mean I'm sure this wasn't good for your career when you did this, but like they they have little to say just because that's not what they're there for yeah, too yeah, you know yeah, they're like, like i look they love baseball but they're like i'm just here to play baseball like I got, I got nothing to say like i'm not here for the showmanship i'm not here to like you know be cool or be special like i'm good at baseball and so they play me to pay they pay me to play baseball and i'm gonna go do that now and i'll see you later you know like i, I like that mindset a lot well and what a great contrast to uh uh jimmy dugan tom hanks's character who baseball is you know they reveal i mean he's a fictional not a real baseball player but he's basically like a jimmy fox style hit a lot of home runs uh yeah, they make up a character and they're like he hit 500 home runs like, that's a lot of home runs for him especially for the 1940s yeah that's this is <laughs> that raised my eyebrows uh, like that is yeah, just that you could have yeah. said like 300 that's still a solid amount of home runs right yeah but you know his backstory is you know someone who drank too much and you know once baseball was gone there's kind of like nothing left to this man uh, until he kind of hooks onto the Rockford peaches. And, um, you know, I think that's that, 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 um, that tension between him and, and Dottie is like a big part of the big part of the movie um, and, and what makes it kind of go. So that and the tension between her and her sister, I guess. But <laughs> yeah, let's go, let's go into Hank's that we'll talk about her and her sister later, because I know that that's one of the main things we want to talk about in regards to this movie, but Hank's is, very good in this. He is one thing I will say about Tom Hanks, and I think he has gotten a little bit better about this. I, I think he gets a little bit better about this in literally the years to come. Like Philadelphia is right around the corner, and he certainly changes his uh, appearance for that one for sure. But like in this one, I laughed because it's like he's just Tom Hanks in a baseball uniform yelling a lot. <laughs> like, you know, like yeah, he is yeah. not he is not modified very much of the Tom Hanks persona. Even even in the 1992 that we've come to know, like there's not a ton of range being exhibited there. Like, and nor should there be necessarily. Like, again, this movie doesn't call for it. There's no need for it. But I put in my notes, I was like, this is just Tom Hanks in a baseball uniform yelling and being drunk a lot. <laughs> like, yes. Yeah. There's, just, there's yeah. not a lot much more than that yeah. going on. Like, and, then, yeah. and it works really well. Like, he's just fun. Like, he gets clearly what he's supposed to do be the antagonist for these for these female characters and rile them up and then come to love them like and it's just uh it's just it's 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 very it's he he takes his his he takes his when he gets a chance he swings for the fences and goes real hard but he doesn't you know he clearly he he, like it makes me doubt those turner and hooch rumors we heard about before about his feuding with uh henry winkler because like he's clearly he could i'm sure at this point he was famous he could have angled to be all over this movie and he clearly didn't he just let himself be there when it's time to be there yeah, the the classic thing if, a, if there was a male director would have been this being a Jimmy Dugan redemption story, right? Yep. Um, and it's and it's not that. And uh, you know, you brought up Turner Hooch. What a great contrast too. Like I, we didn't really plan this that well, so I don't want to make it sound like we did. But like <laughs> it's a great contrast to his previous role, which is like he's super clean cut. He's neurotic almost. He yells a lot. There, that's a commonality that I'm sure we're going to see repeated. But um, but uh, but in this movie, he's like he like can barely shave without cutting his face. He's obviously hung over all the time, but he also takes it back because there is just more of a movie here, right? Like there's not, here's 20 minutes of scenes to chew with a dog. Uh, Tom, <laughs> we'll surround you with like an actual really good ensemble cast, you know, uh, uh, not like you said, not just Gina Davis, but Rosie O'Donnell and Madonna, Lori Petty, um, 
David Strathairn. How do you say his last name? I don't know. I think that's um, right. Strath- Strathairn. Strathairn. Yeah. I always mess that up. He's yeah. he's uh, he's Edward Murrow. I can say Sersha Ronan, but I can't say that guy's name. Um, John Lovitz, Gary Marshall. Yeah, yeah. So it's like there's a lot more movie around him. So uh, it's interesting. He he does kind of step back a little bit. Obviously, he's not the leading. I I guess he gets top billing, but I wouldn't call him like the main character. No, Gina Davis is clearly the main character. It's it's almost silly to Tom Hanks. That's, That's the one thing is Tom Hanks does not deserve main billing in a entirely female centric movie but whatever that's if that's but it's the 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 pudding is what matters the proof is there and he's he's in you know a third of the movie as opposed to two-thirds so it's 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 very appropriately doled out once you get into the action well and this movie would not be the same without his performance i mean i mean obviously he gives the the moment of the movie you know the the quotable no crying in baseball um, time, but I mean, there's a lot of other funny, funny lines in here, and even like I think you mentioned in your email to me his uh, his long urination scene, um, <laughs> which is which is right up there with I think you said Leslie Nielsen, but I also thought of Austin Powers when he's oh sure for, they're they're probably um, the triumvirate of yeah. three long peeing scenes. <laughs> we we got to get on a stopwatch, I guess, uh, for a future episode. Just, just, just compare those scenes, but those are um, big pee yeah. scenes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's kind of like a lovable piece of shit, which is you know, it's kind of kind of fun role. Yep. But yeah, and you mentioned something before that I want to go back into because I think it's real. It is really valuable and important. There was, you know, we we mentioned how in 1992 it was it was you know probably a little shocking to see a uh, a movie directed by a woman and starring a bunch of women about a about the women like that's crazy. But I think the fact that Penny Marshall is directing this movie. I think there has you have to like pay a nod to how much valuable that must have been in terms of not yeah. only like not keeping like obviously I'm I'm sure the script you know was not about Tom Hanks necessarily but like you said there was no weird pivot to him there wasn't any push to make him the main character and I think there's yeah. a sensitivity to it and uh and like a just like because it's it's a you know sports movies are so often directed by men too like yeah. it's just the way it works out and like they star men like that's just no, almost the way it goes and across the board but this they we said this is not you know Rihanna in the wheel this is not necessarily different it follows the same you know a to b to c to d like there's not a ton of difference there but i think the way the team sort of comes together and the way they they face adversity and like you know and and they don't harp too much on how like unique it is that there's women playing baseball which i really liked you know like it's just like of course there's fucking women there's no other one around like it has to be women like the men are at war the ones who are around or whatever reason just can't go to war and so like i think it just gets into that really quick which i really like like i think it just one thing that's one of my biggest enjoyments is that you know there's there there's the intro and then we get into the baseball action and within like you know a half hour it's we're all there like tom hanks is introduced the team is set up like there's a little bit of a subplot about will they be able to survive with fans and all that but it's that that just really service ends up servicing gina davis and the character as much as it services like conflict, right. you know, like right. it's just like you, they, they, how are they going to learn to show up? How are they going to learn to be celebrities? How are they going to learn to be sports stars? Like they are women who have largely been in you know housewives their whole lives. Like I think you know a lot of them at least. So like I think that is really that's great that it's just, it just it doesn't gawk about how, how silly this concept is. It's like no, this is the world. Here you are, and here we go. And I think that makes the movie a lot better for it. 
I think one of the interesting things too, um, and I don't, I have to say, I don't really like the beginning or end of the movie that's bookending. Like I, the scenes just drag on for oh, too we long. Need to talk, there's place. a lot but, we need to talk but, about. With but scene. before we go, I know we especially we got to talk about the beginning and the end, and then also sort of the end of the season, right? Which is right before the actual end. But one thing I really like about this movie, I, I don't you're. You are absolutely correct that this movie adheres to a lot of standard sports movie conventions. But one of the things I really like about it that, that, that doesn't really adhere to those conventions is that it's it's not it's not a um, it's not a like uh, it's not an underdog story. It's not really a story of perseverance. It's actually kind of bittersweet in the end. Like no one, like I guess Jimmy maybe gets the happiest ending, but like Dottie doesn't like. In the context of Dottie's baseball career, she doesn't really get a happy ending. Like, uh, her sister and her kind of like, you know, mend fences a little bit, but um, it's clear based on the end of the movie that her and her sister don't see each other that much. Yeah, which is kind of interesting. That probably probably was the beginning uh, of a fissure that sort of lasted forever and ever. Yeah, yeah. So, in that sense, like, there's no, it, it is not a super redemptive movie or an unbelievable underdog story, other than, like, I guess, sort of like the league existing by itself but that's kind of resolved by the middle of the movie anyway um so in that sense it's not it's not really conventional and it doesn't like the end of the movie the end of the season i guess not the end of the movie it doesn't really like you don't really go home feeling great necessarily you're like just kind of glad to have taken it all in and experienced it which is kind of different than you know, like a Hoosiers, right. Or something like that, where, you know, it's, or a miracle or something like that, where it's a a real life chronicle of a amazing, unbelievable underdog story. Right. Which is, that's like when I think of a a conventional sports movie, that's, that's kind of what I think of, or maybe more recently sort of like, uh, like a glory road or a remember the Titans where there's like sort of a racial undercurrent or 42, even, you know, um, breaking barriers that sort of thing uh it doesn't even have that really like this doesn't this movie doesn't really dwell like you said that much on the barriers being broken um because you kind of know the end um anyway (laughs) the league doesn't survive (laughs) so so, and i think that's and i would say that is um it's interesting i wouldn't say it's well done necessarily like i remember like i think the sort of for me at least the shift to the final scene in, in the like present day when they're at the base when they're at the in cooperstown of the hall of fame and then the madonna theme which is a very melancholy tune about like you know the end yeah. of things and how sad it is like i don't know if the movie does those shifts right like there's a lot of parts in the middle where it's fun and then i feel like it's sort of fun at the end in some ways and then it gets real sad and then there's this very very sad madonna song and then the movie ends like i wouldn't say that is expertly handled like i wouldn't say it goes back and forth with you know like where you've seen like some directors who can you know use tone to that extent where they have no problem shifting like there and it all sort of makes sense at the end i wouldn't say penny marshall is a genius at that but i (laughs) but i will say that it does it does maybe rather bluntly or rather directly make those things clear that this was fun while it lasted and then it ended, you know? And so if that's what they're going for, that's, that's good. It's different and it's appropriate for this kind of story. So it's, it's one of those things where I like that it happened. I wish maybe someone who was a little better at that had done it, but I also ultimately, I think that was the right way to go with it and not make it super happy for the sake of being super happy or pleasing your audiences, not making it melancholy entirely. Like I think it, it has the right ideas. They're just not executed to the extent that you'd like to see them executed. Yeah. And I guess I get, I guess I'd give it bonus points for just 
do, doing something that feels a little more true. I mean, this is a movie, right? So to just bring up one example, you could have had Jimmy Dugan and Gina Davis fall in love, and you could have written Bill Pullman's character out of the movie entirely. You could right? have said he died in the war, like that would yeah. have been super yeah. fine. And then, yeah. like you, and you could have had a years later, like he could, she could have showed up with Hanks to the thing at the end, and been like, oh, by the way, fell in love with Hanks, you know, two years later, <laughs> a, a appropriate time after my husband's death. You know, I fell in love with Tom Hanks. <laughs> he died of cirrhosis of the liver in 1960. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. yeah. Uh, we, no. We, I, I, <laughs> Yeah, I, so I I guess like you're right. It's not it's not maybe expertly handled, but I appreciate the fact that it didn't even bother to try. Like it does. There is this little like you can see it. This little spark of like romantic tension between Gina Davis and 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 Tom Hanks, but it it just it totally lets it just extinguish itself. Like it, there's no it doesn't go anywhere, and it, it would have felt wrong to do that to me. Um, or if you write the Bill Pullman character out of it, it just would have felt too convenient. And I don't think this movie would resonate as much to be frank. So, <clears throat> yes, I agree. And it would have undercut Gina Davis too. Like she is a very, you know, we, we like her and we respect her. So to have yeah. her do something like that, even if we understand why she does it, we still would have been like, Ooh, you like, you know, it's a little, uh, it's not slut shaming, but it's like, Ooh, you little, you're a little bit of a Harley, you know, <laughs> like um, you say, we keep saying you love your husband at least like you should, you know, it'd be weird if you, as much as we love you and Tom Hanks, we don't necessarily yeah. want you guys to get together and bang. We just like, we like the tension, you know, tension is always <laughs> yeah. good. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, yeah. let's talk about the two things that I think are the most fascinating about this movie that are worth talking about. First off is the one that I think is objectively the silliest, <laughs> and that is the – you mentioned a little bit the beginning and the end, which are very long sort of bookends to the movie, and they are set in – you know, again, I, I would say present day, right? Is that correct? Yeah, Close yeah, enough, in, 1990s, in, something in like Cooperstown, that. New York, yes. Correct, in Cooperstown, New York. They're doing an exhibit for um, the, the baseball league, the – all-American Girls Professional Baseball League. And they're basically getting into the Hall of Fame as an as entity. And all the characters are there, the ones that are alive, Dottie and and everyone who's around like and so but the, the reason i even hesitate to say their names is i think <laughs> i think this is the, i so the movie decides to instead of just put makeup on the women and the men and, and just make them all look age appropriate they recast everyone entirely with very old people and they say look at all these old people that are there and and basically the way you figure who they are is they walk up to each other and go Dottie, <laughs> it's me may it's me doris it's me and like maybe it's because I haven't seen this movie ten times, but like I was like, who are I don't know any of these people. Like I know Dottie, I know Doris, and I guess I know May, but like I know them as Madonna and Rosie, and like I know them yeah. as the people I know. And yeah. so instead, it's these like eighty-year-old actors and actresses who are looking and like, and it, it, it's very cheesy too. Like the old man playing John, old John Lovitz walks up to a picture of John Lovitz and is like. It's me, and it's like oh, so. You're John Lovitz. Just, just I don't understand why Penny Marshall didn't just put John Lovitz in some old man makeup and just like, yeah, it would look shitty. But it, you, they had makeup in 1992. It wasn't yeah. like an out a crazy idea to do that. I, 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 well, I have only two comments on this besides my full throated agreement with you. Um, one is that Mrs. Doubtfire comes out like two years later, so don't tell me they didn't have the makeup <laughs> technology to do this. Um, they can make Robin Williams believably look like a. <laughs> an elderly British woman. Um, they could have done it for all these people. And the second is that the only people I did notice were Gina Davis's character Dottie and also Stillwell, who is like Stillwell is like the 
the the human version of hooch as far as i'm concerned and um <laughs> probably is lucky to have not been murdered by his parents but i noticed still well because yeah. they just made him a fat blonde and that basically guy. then he he gets he gets arguably the biggest uh sort of return moment and biggest conversational part in yeah. that whole ending which as you said goes on for so long it's like a 10 minute scene and like and it just and i have some, I, I again i have friends who love this movie and they told me that you know they really like the scene at the end when all the old people sing the the, the fight song or whatever you know for the league or for the team but i was like i don't these aren't the same characters that were playing <laughs> baseball so i don't give a shit if they know the song it doesn't resonate it did not resonate with me whatsoever i was more just like looking at my watch like well, how's it still going huh? like, this, i this, like this, i like the song yeah specific, i like the concepts but of, i don't like the people singing it so much i agree with that yeah. yeah it's just a very interesting choice like i i just couldn't remember the last movie I've seen do that. And again, it it, it wasn't, you know, uh, it, I get that there was, you know, the, the, the league was 50 years before the nineties. So it was a very long time. Like maybe it got in their heads that they couldn't possibly age <laughs> these 35 year old women to be 85. But again, just do it. I'd rather it be done very poorly and we just go with it anyway. You know, like it's, we, we see bad makeup in movies now, like makeup is not an um, exact science. Yeah, you know, yeah. I'm thinking of Jay Edgar and like DiCaprio, like <laughs> some hideous <laughs> makeup like there was no reason not to do it i was gonna say i, I know it's not makeup but yeah i know i think you just rewatched the irishman and there's there's a <laughs> yeah. questionable i guess that's de-aging but you know and it's and i said and it's jarring as hell and i still gave it a 4.5 on letterbox i still think it's a classic but yeah, yeah it's, it's 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 you can you can mess that up and still make a movie that's fun yeah Yep. Andrew, let's talk about the other thing though. Like I, <laughs> I, I did not. Honestly, you and I were talking yesterday. I didn't think this was even a thing we had to talk about. But I was texting with my with my good friend Allie. We were talking about this movie, and I was telling her that I saw it, and you know she's she's quarantining with some friends, and. I was just like, you know, you know, and I think she said something along the lines of like, yeah, it's 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 great at the end when you know Dottie drops the ball to to give Kit the win. Kit being, you know, Gene <laughs> Davis's sister, yeah. Laurie Petty, correct? Yeah, yes. Yeah. And yeah. I said basically to Allie, I was like, what are you talking about? Like that's not what happens. And she got fur- not furious, but she like was like all capsing me back saying what are you talking about of course of course that happens and i i didn't know that was a debate and i looked it up and apparently there's still an ongoing conversation about whether Dottie drops the ball in the last game of the world series to give kit and her team the win i don't like i when i first saw this movie that didn't cross my mind for a second did you think that's what happened uh absolutely not and i um <laughs> So I've seen this movie a number of times. Yeah, I saw it like, you know, right after it came out in 1992 or thereabouts. And uh, uh, I did when you texted me about that earlier this week, I had a moment of self-doubt. You know, I was like, oh, is this, have I missed this? Because usually, no, generally speaking, and I'm sure the same is true for you. No one usually accuses me of underanalyzing a film that I've watched. <laughs> Of any kind, of any stripe. And, um, you know, I hadn't seen League of Their Own in a while. Maybe I wasn't, you know, fully. But it's very simple to me. There's two reasons why she did not drop the ball on purpose. The first is just the plain evidence in the plot, which is that, you know, she goes out to tell the pitcher to throw her high ones. She's not throwing her high high ones uh, to uh, as a favor to her. It's established throughout the movie that, Kit cannot hit the high ones. So and why she would she them. then? She, she tries to hit him. She just can't. 
Right. Why would you have her sister strike out, attempt to have her sister strike out just to then purposely drop the ball at the end? And then the second part is a little more esoteric. But again, to go back to the mo- the whole tone of the movie is bittersweet. Now, it would be so unbittersweet and totally redemptive and a wrong conclusion for the story if she had purposely dropped the ball. I mean, that, to me, that's ridiculous. It undercuts um, Dottie's and, whole character and everything we've seen from yeah, her. Yeah. And and I agree with you 100%. And, like, I had, I had you know, some, some people come back to me and say, well, you know, Dottie was trying to get her out, but when, you know, when, when Kit hit it and was, like, rounding third, Dottie, like, sort of softened a little bit and was like, shit, you know what? Like, she, she, good for her. She smoked that high one. Like, maybe I'll give her this one. Like, and, and I, I, like, that's the one argument I will, like, vaguely consider. But I would also say all the points you made, are, I think, are super accurate. And also, what, what we already touched on, this is not a particularly nuanced movie. Like, this movie tells you everything it needs to know by pretty much telling you, you know? Like, so yeah. if the movie yeah. was going to have Dottie do that, Dottie would have done it, and Kit would have come up to her afterwards and say, did you do that on purpose? And Dottie would be like, wink. And then Kit would hug her. Like, <laughs> there'd be some scene where they play that up to make sure everyone in the back seats knew exactly what happened, you know? Like, that was not... There's no way that was... The, the, nothing about this movie screams ambiguity like that, you know? So yeah. I just don't see how that's re- and like I don't think anything in Gina Davis's reaction or conversations after like I would say Dottie you know is is uh is proud of her sister after it happens and is like hey like I gave you my best and you shoved it up my ass like that's cool and then <laughs> they also like as you know they don't talk to each other for 50 years probably yeah, basically so. yeah. well, they <laughs> so, see each other rarely infrequently I guess yeah I think I yeah. think a big part of her is proud and okay with it at the end of the day but I also think a very another sizable part of her is like fuck you for hitting my, my, my great pit. Like, you know, I'm out of here. Like, you know, I, I'm very mad that you turned on that one. And, uh, I, I it could, you know, I'm glad it was you in some ways, but also get the fuck out of here. You know, like, I just don't see it. Like, I just think it doesn't work with Dottie's character. Like, I get why people want it to be that way, but I also think you're undercutting the movie by wanting Kit to get like a fake ass pitch that she can hit, you know, like the point is to me, a Kit redeems herself by force, not by pity. I I agree. I I think it's I think it's kind of an absurd take, and uh, it's 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 wish casting onto a movie that, like you said, is not is not subtle like that, and is not this is not like an Inception situation. <laughs> like, oh, like. <laughs> Like, like, this is like a very straightforward uh, sports movie with a bittersweet undertone to it. It's not, um, you know, it's got a line with someone calling someone else a penis with a hat on. Um, it's just... Well, you're right, though. Like, the bittersweet part, maybe maybe that's what makes it even complicated in the first place in a good way like maybe, maybe that is something penny and the screenwriters and everyone deserves credit for is because i think there are a lot of movies where what we're describing and what people want to see does happen you know like where Dottie yeah. does drop the ball and kit does win just because it's a sort of cheap heartwarming moment that people are used to in their sports movies but i think what this movie captures a little more is a that the Dottie character is not that kind of person and B that it's like they're playing really hard like they're yeah, they're they're right. they're a gender right. that has been you know 
kept aside for a very long time and they finally get their chance to shine and they're not going to just half-ass it. They're not going to just tuck it away to to make things easier on each other. Like, they really want to fucking win. And I think that is something the movie... And that's a sad... That's not like a movie-type thing. That's not a feel-good moment. And I think if you're looking for the feel-good moment, they're there in this movie, but they're not there in that scene because that's not what it's about. It's about competition and people busting their asses and one person winning and, and the ramifications of that choice for decades, you know? Yeah, and I, I think the other thing, too, like, uh, you raise a good point about it undercutting the Dottie character. She's not, like, if you watch the entire movie, she's not a master puppeteer. In it. That's just not, like, and, and the other, like, the, the, the type that would do this to make her sister feel better. First of all, that she barely, like, will even get on the train to do this tryout, uh, mostly because she's bored. So, like, she, she, like, she's not a master puppeteer. And, the, and, and she's not even, and, like, a doting older sister. It's not even, like, their best buds. Like, she's sort yeah. of just, like, she goes yeah. along with it when it's good because it also it suits her. She's good at the sport and because she sees an opportunity. But she's not, like, constantly standing up for her sister. Like, she, she's, not a, she's not a mean sister, but she's also not overly loving either. No, no, and the proof, and I was gonna say the proof of her being not being a master puppeteer is when she complains to the commissioner of the league about her sister and playing with her sister, not realizing that it's gonna that the trade is gonna be her sister, not her. She's not. She's just not that. She doesn't have this like big chessboard. Clearly, she's she's actually kind of in that context. Like I don't I don't want to say self absorbed, but she's. She's a little self-absorbed as she's a character. She's narrow-minded too. She's yeah, just like yeah. she's not. She's not thinking about the ramifications. She's doing. Yeah, she's just she's doing what makes sense for her. Like she's not playing yeah. eight steps ahead. There's no yeah. way. Yeah, which is why she didn't drop the ball. Yeah, it's, it's, she it's absolutely absurd. didn't drop the ball. It's so absurd. It's just. Revisionist like I said, history. I see where people are coming from. I don't think that is the craziest thing, but I just don't think it's there in the movie. Like, uh, I think it's worth. When I heard about it, I, I felt the way you did. I was like, "Shit, did I miss something?" Like, it's certainly possible. Like, I don't think. Uh, I don't think my thoughts are sacrosanct. But in pausing and thinking about it for like forty-five seconds, I was like, and then talking to you, and then talking to Allie, and other people, I was like, you know what? Like, I respect your thoughts, but it's just not what happens. <laughs> <laughs> All yeah, opinions no, are welcome, I- but some of them are wrong you know i think you can make the argument but that's about as far i think it's it's flipped it's a fun like we just talked about for 10 minutes like i was happy it came up because it adds a lot more to this episode but i would love to hear if you disagree you know reach out to us uh you know you probably uh, you know find us on social media find us somewhere and uh and share your 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 thesis on why we're wrong but i just uh you know i at in real deep on twitter and tell us why we're wrong but it just doesn't feel like we are we're not. <laughs> we are not. That's true. And so, I mean, let's let's loop back to Hanks real quick, though, because, you know, this is – I think this is great. Like, I really like that we picked a movie here so early on with, like, a lot of non-Hanks elements that are truly worth talking about, you know? But at the end of the day, we are talking Tom Hanks movies, and if you look at his filmography, this is really – like, things change so right after this, you know, yeah, like yeah. he had, you know, before in between Turner and Hooch and this movie, which we talked about a little bit in the last episode, there were some missteps. Joe versus the volcano, bonfire of the vanities. Just he, 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 it looks like maybe this might not be going great for him. And after yeah. this, you got sleepless in Seattle, you got Philadelphia and you got Forrest Gump. But we're going to talk about Sleepless, but, like, those next two right after, like, and then you got Apollo 13, which we're going to talk about as well. Like, all of a sudden, yeah. and Toy Story, like, all of a sudden, he is just untouchable. Like, he is yeah. just, he becomes 
Tom Hanks, capital T, capital H. <laughs> and it's just uphill times 100 from here. Yeah, and it starts in this movie, which is interesting because I think he takes this step back. He's not, he, I mean, he's the leading male actor in this movie, but he's really not the, the center of the movie. Yet he still has that scene stealing, you know, mo- it's not even scene stealing. It is like his scene. He dominates it. And uh, he he has a very memorable performance. And then, yes, the trajectory goes up from here. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of, this, this feels like a key to check in on the time before we go on to this sort of you know meteoric stratospheric whatever you want to call it rise that that he's about to go on um and you know next we go into this like we kind of go back to this leading man um character uh in sleepless in seattle um which have you seen sleepless in seattle or is this another new oh man another new one my god i think from that point forward i've seen everything we're going to do but i have not seen that yeah, so just Tom Hanks' career started with, like, Toy Story for you, huh, basically? <laughs> no, I saw Forrest Gump and Apollo 13, and then I saw Philadelphia once I became old enough to understand it. But I yeah. think the first Tom Hanks movie I saw was, yeah, I guess Toy Story, but, like, the first Tom Hanks movie I saw was Forrest Gump. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is well, why yeah. we're not doing Forrest Gump, because I don't have anything to say about it. Like, uh, uh, yeah, there's actually uh, a lot to say, but I'd rather not say any of it this one. Yeah. <laughs> there's, no, there's nothing to add. No, there's nothing to add. We're just going to, like, it's just too, too much. But Sleepless in Seattle, like, I know, you know, for a lot of people, some of the biggest Hanks movies are Sleepless and You've Got Mail. Like, those are very, yeah. you know, his, yeah. his, like, strong forays into rom-com. Rom-coms, like, yeah. that's, those are two classics. And I've, I've, Never seen You Got Mail either, but I don't need. We don't need to watch You've Got Mail. But Sleepless is like one that it's really cool. Like I don't, I haven't seen many Meg Ryan movies either. Like I'm very excited Ooh. just to see them and their chemistry and like Tom. You know, he 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 doesn't do a ton of romance in his future movies either. Like no, no. I would say a lot of his movies are him. Like there's a woman, but she is like off in the distance. You know, yeah. like. He's got a wife, yeah. but she's not there. She's like over there. She's like down the street, you know, or yeah. in another state. So I'm excited to see Tom, you know, exude that chemistry with somebody else and be a be a ladies' man. She, she is in another state for most of this movie. Oh, there but, you go. Uh, yeah, so maybe that's consistent. Uh, maybe that's a Hank's thing across the board. Then uh, you know what? When I people talk about Forrest Gump now, I have I'm talked out on Forrest Gump and all I ever want to talk about is how Forrest Gump is like the biggest miscarriage of Oscar justice of all time. Um, Cause there was literally like Pulp Fiction and Shawshank Redemption were also nominated that year. And there's another one I can't remember. Yeah. There's, there's but, like four of the five were amazing. And, and Forrest Gump is not a bad movie. I don't think either of us, although I don't think it's aged particularly well. It's, there's a um, lot going on. I don't want to yeah, say, yeah, it's just, yeah. it's just, it's, it's a relic of the mid nineties for sure. It's, it's not as good as Pulp Fiction or Shawshank Redemption, in my opinion. Well, Quiz Show was, uh, I mean, Quiz Show was never going to win, but Quiz Show was a very good movie. So. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, so there, there, you got our mini Forrest Gump episode. At the end <laughs> yeah, of this you're not going to get any more of those. There you go. There you go. <laughs> But we are going to be back to talk about Sleepless in Seattle. Again, another Hanks movie I haven't seen. And and really the final Hanks movie before he becomes Tom Hanks. So yeah. I'm yeah. super excited for that. And that's going to be really fun. And that's going to be our next one. So 
Join us in the next couple weeks, in the next week, probably, I would say. Definitely. (laughs) We have nothing to do. Like, you know, we will be watching this very soon. And we will, I will say, Andrew, this is unrelated because we're not doing this movie. We've already done this. It's in our archives. You should go back and listen to it. But I'm so mad we're not doing a Sully episode because I watched Sully yesterday. And Sully is an American classic. Sully is a masterpiece. (laughs) I love it so much. There is so many. I think we're going to have to do a bonus Sully episode when we're all done. Can we immediately or after do a, a the accountant episode of yeah. after that? Because that, I think that was the same month where we just decided. Yes, we did a really solely accountant episode for no reason whatsoever, just because we were just like we were dipping our toe in the water of you know old movies. Like let's do these random ass films. But I'm just telling you, Sully's great. Like, I'm just, I'm not a big, like, Hanks, this has made me, like, like just getting into this has made me like Hanks even more. So I just, yeah. I saw Sully was on TNT, and I said, I'm watching Sully, and I just couldn't have had a better time. Four and a half stars, literally. <laughs> Truly a four and a half star film, Sully is. Better better than Richard Jewell? <laughs> yes. Richard All Jewell's right. not bad either. Richard yeah. Jewell is fine, but Sully's better. Other than the political undertones. Well, yeah. it's, 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 it's Clint's a complicated man. You know, Clint's got a lot of ideas in his head. So. Dude, dude, dude. It's a director, <laughs> yes. at least. No more Sully chat. That's that's light years away, if it ever. I've already got an episode on that. Already got an episode on Sully in our archives, and that's a good reason to go to inrealdeep.com and check out our previous episodes. Subscribe to the In Real Deep podcast everywhere podcasts are. And, yeah, just go read our content. Again, not a ton being written these days, but we're going to keep pumping out those podcasts. And there's plenty of those wherever podcasts are and on our website. So go check all of those out. Andrew, thank you for joining us. Thank you for talking, Tom Hanks. Looking forward to Sleepless in Seattle. Me too. Me too. Absolutely. And thank you all for joining us. We appreciate it a ton. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll be seeing you further on up the road. Adios. Adios.